Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the show, and away we go. This is Scoops with Danny Mac. I'm Dan McLaughlin. This is the Thursday edition of the program. As always, our producer is Colin Surrey. On the show today, I'll visit with one of the best pro golfers to come out of St. Louis, good buddy of mine, Jay Delsing. Because I'd like to talk about athletes that are actually on the field. People that are actually doing something. And the golfers return to the tour today. And the Charles Schwab is happening as we speak and over the weekend. Normally, I start with baseball, don't I, Colin? Normally, it's baseball. Rightfully so. I mean, you've got the inside scoop on baseball. Well, I don't know if I have the inside scoop. I've got opinions. But I'm going to start with a sport that I... um, I don't know if I've grown to love, but I'm really liking, and I'm excited that it's coming to St. Louis, and that's soccer. So soccer fans learned yesterday they have only one more month to wait until players hit the pitch again in the United States. MLS officially coming back early next month. Taylor Twelman of ESPN. Well, you hit the nail on the head at the beginning of it. They're coming back before any other league, and especially with the NBA still dragging their feet a little bit. So, Scott, they're trying to announce this return with the game, three games, every single day, right? So you've got a 9 o'clock in the morning game, 8 o'clock and 10.30 at night in a World Cup-style format. So you and I spent two summers ago, we spent every day watching World Cup games, and I think Major League Soccer is looking at this as an opportunity. Now, the minimum amount of games per team is three. All of those games, the three games that you play in your group stage, will count towards your regular season. And, Scott, that's where I want to take you with this. It's less about the tournament to me, and it's more about the statement Major League Soccer said today that, guess what, those three games count towards the regular season because we are planning and very confident that we're going to play 12 to 18 games in our respective home markets. And even Don Garber today on the media call said there's a possibility that fans will be involved. That's the biggest talking point for me. Yes, it's an exciting World Cup-style tournament. You're going to catch a lot of eyeballs that you would never see before. But more so, they're going full steam ahead and finishing this season to the best capability that they can post-pandemic. Take the financial hit, promote your sport. Long-term, it's a better thing. Taylor makes some great points. So beginning on July 8th, all 26 teams compete with no fans, played at the wide world of sports in Orlando. And the event will make MLS the nation's first major team sport to retake the field following what we're all dealing with, this pandemic and the lockdowns. NBA, by the way, slated for July 31st, their return at the same facility. So it really could be a saving grace for the league. You have to think big picture. Shut down just two weeks into the season, facing a potential $1 billion revenue hit. And that's according to Commissioner Don Garber. You know, it started with we wanted to get back to to play in the safest way possible. We wanted to do it in a way that we could have a compelling and unique format. You know, we know that we can't get back into our stadiums for some time. Going down to Disney, we have an incredible environment where we could play three games a day, bring all of our players, all of our staff in an environment where we're going to put together a tournament that will replicate the World Cup, group play, going into quarterfinals and semifinals, a bunch of prize money, a bunch of charity money associated with it, regular testing, and so many games that will be on television. It's going to be really exciting, really compelling, a very compact period of time. And again, it's big picture. Big picture. What are you doing for the best of your sport? Not now. Everybody's taking a haircut. Everybody. 
So think big picture. Think down the line. Draw in interest into your sport. So the league's new plans, it does raise an interesting question. Will airing a World Cup-style tournament in the midst of having empty seats and no fans there, is it enough to catapult MLS into the national spotlight? Again, Taylor Twelman. Because of the NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL dragging their feet, so to speak, Major League Baseball more so than the other two, obviously, you give yourself an opportunity from July 8th on, basically to August 1st, where you're the only league going. Now, golf is returning, I understand that, and the other soccer leagues around the world, but you're in that conversation. Scott, it is a massive opportunity, but I remind everyone, it's not what MLS is about. MLS now, in 2020, when fans come back, is about 20,000 people in the stadium, 60,000 in Atlanta. There's a loud atmosphere. So don't judge that by Major League Soccer, but judge it by the quality of play you're going to see. I do think there's an opportunity of growth here, and especially on this network, Scott. I've been on your show more this year talking about this league than we have in the previous 24 years combined. That in itself tells you about the opportunity here to grow the league. Again, a great opportunity. An opportunity that's been lost, and I mean lost, for baseball. They're supposed to be back on the 4th of July, if not earlier. Commissioner Rob Manfred. I'm a big believer in the process. I would prefer to negotiate a new agreement with the MLBPA that gets us more games and resolves the issues that have separated us amicably. But at the end of the day, we negotiated for the right in March to start the season on a number of games that we select in these particular circumstances. And if we have to, we'll exercise that right. Well, he was on both MLB Network and SportsCenter last night. He again promised that there would be baseball in 2020. He was adamant about that. Manfred said the league will soon make a counterproposal in, quote, in the player's direction and added that he hopes that players get off of the 100% salary demand. I'll be disappointed that we're unable to reach an agreement that allows us to play more games. But you know what? I think at the end of the day, the most important thing, and I'm not buying into your number of 48, the most important thing is that we play Major League Baseball in 2020, and I can tell you unequivocally we are going to play major league baseball this year there has to be a sense of urgency there has to be now to reach an accord between these two july 10th now viewed as the earliest the season can begin and that may be overly optimistic so a couple things for me to watch will the league remain steadfast that players share in some risk of staging the postseason which could include by the way as many as 16 teams and something that has not really been talked about, but man, you got to look at it now. How will the two sides reconcile the league calling for players to sign a, quote, acknowledgement of risk waiver before they play? That is a big, big sticking point. John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations, was a guest yesterday of Ribs and BK. Well, I think I'd answer that more in terms of, of strategically, right? For some reason, this negotiation has both sides have chosen to use more of the media than than just the closed door, roll up our sleeves and try to find it to get a deal done. Clearly, I don't think that's been in everybody's best interest because that's why we're talking about it. That's why we're analyzing just the strategy versus even the substance, which can be a bit frustrating. And, and I can see why from the public standpoint, people have questions. And if you think about maybe some of the other sports, for example, where they were able to resolve things quicker and quieter, I think people have appreciation for that. I will say, though, all four professional sports have way different economics, and their CBAs are very different. 
But having said that, it does appear that, that we're not getting it right. Yeah, Mo hits it on the head. The leaks have been a major, major problem with this. Also, being tone deaf to the fact that there's over 100,000 people that have died because of the virus. 40 million unemployed. Social unrest. Come on. If you can do it, get back on the field. Don't be short-sighted. Look at what MLS is doing. The NBA, the NHL, they're going to try. Again, I get it. Apples and oranges. These teams, these leagues, they had time to get part of a season done. They had revenue. I get it. But, man, we need baseball. Need it. It's got to happen. Tim Kirchin of ESPN. Baseball is going to be played this year. I'm pretty certain about that. The question is, how is it going to be played? Are the union, is the union and Major League Baseball going to get together and come to an agreement and make a plan from here, or are they going to be unable to do that, and then baseball will implement a, say, 48-game schedule starting, you know, in August, beginning of August, and then play through the postseason and end everything on October the 1st. That is what is certainly possible, but I still hold out hope since both sides have made some progress, some movement at least. The two sides will come to an agreement and say, okay, we're going to play. I think it's got to happen maybe this weekend, certainly by Monday. If not, the commissioner just says, okay, here you go. There's your 48 games. We'll start on August 1st, and that's what you'll have. And then postseason play, players will come back and say, hey, that wearing the mic stuff and trying to be as interactive as we can. No, that's done. Um, also, you know, those those teams you want to add it for uh, postseason. No, nah, we're not going to do that. That's what you're looking at. Could happen. PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan confirmed yesterday that, quote, virtually every player and caddy traveling to Fort Worth for the Charles Schwab Challenge golf tournament tested for the coronavirus with no positive tests as of yet. Now, Monahan told CNBC, we're executing our testing plan, but then an on-site safety plan and our sport lends itself to social distancing. It's about returning this week and in doing so in great fashion, but it's also about a sustained return. We're going to talk about that with Jay Delsing coming up. Rory McIlroy is competing this weekend. I think this week is very important because golf will be the center of the sports world, which it usually a few weeks a year it is, but for people to have something to watch on TV where they actually don't know the outcome, I think it's going to be nice for them. So I think that'll be a good thing. Absolutely. It's going to be great. I actually was watching this morning, guys, tee off. No crowd down the fairways, no crowd near uh, the greens, but yet I'm sitting there watching golf because it has something I don't know how it's going to end. The summer of 98, I remember that. I, I know that. He hit 70, and there's a lot of hugs and kisses and tears, and great. Looking forward to the documentary. I don't know what's going to happen at the Charles Schwab, so I kind of like that. I don't know what's going to happen in MLS. And I've said this before, I'm not the biggest soccer fan, but when they're out there first, and I know we have MLS coming to St. Louis, and I know that I'm passionate about helping our town, I can't wait to watch it. And I will watch it. NBA, pretty big fan. Love watching LeBron. I'll watch it. NHL, I'm a real big fan. Can't wait for the Blues to come back. And yet here we are waiting for baseball, which had this opportunity in this window beyond just bringing fans into the game, but to give the American public something to look forward to. And unfortunately, the narrative is money, bickering, greed, and that's what people are talking about. And anywhere I go, people stop and say, 
And these are, you know, just the casual baseball fan. They stop me. What's going on with baseball? Why, why aren't they playing? Now, I'm hearing a lot about this money stuff. I don't like it. That concerns me. I love this game. I make a living off this game. I want to see it thrive for many, many years. I love taking my family to the ballpark. But I'll tell you, as a fan, I don't like it one bit. I'm sick of talking about it and hearing about it. Just get it done. Again, it's a four-month outlier. And by the way, once we get this done and the money's done and the economics are agreed to, who knows if you can pull it off? It ain't going to be easy for any of these leagues to do that. It's not. You will have players that get the virus. It's going to happen. But how you deal with it moving forward, it seems like the leagues have a pretty good plan. And now the players are starting to figure out what happens down at Disney with the NBA. And the NHL is hearing about the player. Whoa, hold on now. It's not as easy as rolling the ball out. But I can tell you this, people appreciate the fact that they're making the effort. Big time. And you're not hearing about money. And again, baseball's in a different spot. Didn't start their season. It's apples and oranges, not apples to apples. But still, people want to hear about the game. The game. Put the best foot forward. Try to make it happen. It is so important. 319, love the show, love baseball, wish it was on TV and tired of real no updates. Golf is back on TV. Love seeing the players mic'd up. Thanks for the comments. We're going to talk about that with Jay Delsing. And um, there's a lot of things I want to get into. Caddies are an important part of the sport, which you don't realize. They don't just hold the bag and hand you a club, okay? They're a team out there. Now, Tiger's the real big part of the team, don't get me wrong, but his caddy's very, very important. Social distancing amongst the players. How about testing and what happens there? Where are the players living? How are they traveling from tournament to tournament? These are all things that these leagues are trying to take care of to make sure that these players are as safe as possible. What about family members that are with them? That's also something. 618, soccer will be fine. They can dive six feet apart. Thank you, Todd, in Illinois. You're saying they're a bunch of diving? No! doesn't happen in soccer. 636 depends what you classify as sport. NASCAR has been back for a while, and I love it. Agreed. I don't think it's one of the major professional sports, though. It's NASCAR, and they've been doing it without fans. Now, apparently, they may have a 1,000 fans coming to their event this weekend, but I applaud them for getting back and getting racing for those that love it. I'm not a huge race fan, but I've been watching how they've been doing the telecast. I find it extremely interesting. Their use of drones, I think, needs to be used in a lot of different sports, and especially with the fact that you don't have fans in the stands. Why not give them a unique look at the sport? 314 for minor leaguers. Why don't their home teams open up their spring training complexes for minor league players to play? That's been talked about, especially your your top-end guys. But I think once they get an agreement in place, and we will play baseball. It's just a matter of how many games are going to be played. So then you have the taxi squad. That would be your Dylan Carlson, your probably Matthew Libertor, your Nolan Gorman, uh, Cody Whitley, Zach Thompson. These are players that you're trying to figure out whether or not you want them to be part of your major league team this year. There'll be some that definitely will not. But Cody Whitley's close. Dylan Carlson's close. So you need to have some type of competition. They can put those guys together have them part of the Major League team in terms of what they do before and after games, set up simulated games. But your lower-level minor leaguers, this is going to be a tough year. 
I don't know how you develop them. I mean, you're telling guys, hey, be ready, but let's just read the tea leaves. Minor league baseball is not coming back. If we can't get major league baseball back, the minors aren't going to be playing. So you're going to have to find guys to play catch with, throw to, do bullpens, face hitters, face pitchers. Not an easy thing to do. We'll get to more of those text messages and the Rhino Shield mic drops coming up. And we'll visit with Jay Delsing, talk a little golf next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. with Danny Mack, and this is done daily on 101 ESPN every day at 10. And we just heard in the previous segment the opening monologue about sports returning, and in particular, golf. They are back. They are back this weekend. No fans, but yet the biggest names in the sport are back. And we have Jay Delsing, one of the greatest professional golfers to come out of St. Louis as a guest to try to get us through this and what to expect as you watch. It'll be on CBS this weekend. And Jay played on the tour for a number of years. He's worked on the broadcast, has a show this Sunday on 101 ESPN. Jay, always great to visit with you. How are things going? Oh, good, Danny. Um, you know, I, I think good. I'm really glad to have, you know, some golf back and uh, good to be talking to you, my buddy. Absolutely. Um, what's this going to be like, just in a general sense? What are what are we as fans that consume sports and especially those that love golf? What can we expect to see starting today? Well, I think the biggest the biggest thing that's going to be odd, Danny, is there's going to be no spectators. So you're going to be looking at a golf course that's going to be looking similar to, a, you know, the golf course you might play um, at your home course, it's, it, it's going to be, it's going to look deserted. The players are describing it as surreal and they're, they're describing it as like one of them said, you know, we, this was kind of like a high school event and they don't mean that in any sort of um, uh, cut or anything. It's just, it's, it's unusual when you're so used to playing in front of the big crowds that the tour gets to have nothing at all. It's just really a stark uh, uh, you know, we talked about it the other day, um, and you and I visit all the time off the air, but, you know, golfers, and, and I don't know if the average sports fan understands this, but golfers, they feed off the crowd, too, as much as a baseball player might or a hockey player may not show up as much, but you guys feed off the roar of the crowd, do you not? Oh, Danny, you well, you know 100%. I mean, the, the crowd is an integral part of the game, especially back in the old days when I played, like 100 years ago. The, the tour was more intimate. You know, the, the people were, you know, right off the edges of the green. There weren't quite as many uh, corporate skyboxes and things like that. So when you stood and looked at a putt, I mean, you could feel the eyes on you, you know, and um, it, 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 it made a big difference. It was, there, you know, there was actually a learning curve to figure out, you know, gosh, why am I so pumped up all of a sudden? You know, why, you know, I played a lot of golf and, it, and a lot has to do with, you know, it, it almost is a built-in sort of drama, Danny, or excitement. In terms of the finances of not having a crowd, we know how this is affecting the four major professional sports, but in terms of golf, and they're going to try to do this every single weekend and start up their schedule and go, and you mentioned the skyboxes and no spectators, but yet you're on national TV. You're back on the Golf Channel. You're back on CBS. You're on NBC. What does it mean financially at this point for golf not to have spectators? Do you have any idea on that? 
I do, Danny. You know, the, the, the finances, the, the golf's become just a huge business. Uh, you know, the, the amount, you can just talk about the charitable component. One of the things I'm proudest of to be associated with the tour, where the tour has raised over $3 billion for charities. But when you start talking about uh, limiting the scope of the events, okay, you're, you're talking about massive amounts of millions of dollars that are being uh, lost just in pro-am revenue, Danny. Every Wednesday, for the folks that don't know, every Wednesday we have a pro-am on the PGA Tour. Some tournaments host them on Tuesday. And what that is is it's um, three or four men or women from all sorts of uh, different parts of the country that pay a hell of a lot of money to get paired with uh, about a third of the field because there's just not enough time for them to play with every single player in the in the field so say 52 to 60 players each week danny are teeing it up with we would call them guests and these guys are paying anywhere between five and ten dollars each but think about it danny you get to play with tiger woods yeah for 18 holes that's the thing that separates our game from everything buddy it is it is it is a huge differentiator and it's one of the reasons why golf is fortune 500 ceo's favorite pastime. Jay Delsing, one of the best uh, golfers to come out of St. Louis, is with us. And I I'm curious about the testing. What, what are you hearing about the testing for the players and the caddies and really anybody that's on uh, the property this weekend at the Charles Schwab? Right, Danny. So uh, there's, as you know this you know better than I do, but there's, there's a, a big television crowd. Typically, CBS would throw 300 people or so in there to as their crew to get the, the telecast done. This week's only going to have 75. Everybody, no one can step foot on the, pro, uh, on the property until they're tested and the test comes back positively. The players can travel to each um, host city but cannot enter the property until they and their caddies receive a negative test. And there's three different versions uh, three different prongs, I guess, that you would talk about these tests. And there's the temperature, and then there's a couple of other versions. Um, and and then they're going to be tested during the week, Danny. There's protocol that if you and your caddy test positive, or you test positive, or your caddy test positive, you guys are both out. You're going to be quarantined in that city. They have designated spots already. Um, and, and then, Danny, one of the things that's really interesting, the tour is calling it the bubble where they are going to fly the the players to the next event in you know um, uh, a jumbo jet that because of distancing and things like that they're they're going to be filled to about sixty four percent capacity once it starts exceeding that once they have more players and uh, that want you know to to go they're going to get another jet and so the the, the length that the PGA Tour is going through to try and be kind of the trailblazer, so to speak. I know NASCAR has started, but kind of the trailblazer for these sports, it, it's really extreme. And then, Danny, once you land in the next city, that protocol starts all over again. You're tested. You're not allowed to go on the property again until you come back uh, negative. And, and the same for your caddy and on and on and on. Wow. Um, in terms of what happens if a guy doesn't make the cut, so does he just hang around for a couple of days and then goes with the rest of the guys to the next city? How, do, how does that work? Yeah, they're going to have, can they have contingency plans for all that stuff. Danny. So that's one of the things that's going to make this a little bit more palatable. So what they'll do is they'll offer these this transportation for the folks that do miss the cut. 
So hell, when I miss a cut, Danny, I couldn't get out of the city quick. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm like, screw this, screw this place. I don't want any of the dirt on my shoes. I I, it, I want to forget about it. Get my rear view as quickly as possible. So um, the tour is going to do that. So they're going to provide uh, transportation for folks out probably uh, first thing Saturday morning. A lot of and, times, and that protocol so, starts. Sorry, that protocol starts again all over for them. You know, even though they missed the cut, they're going to fly to the next city and then they're going to, you know, be required to meet all these other, um, uh, uh, standards before they can start practicing and, and start interacting. You know, some of the, 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 the guys will stay at homes in the cities that they go to a, a family will say, sure, you want to rent out my place for a week? You know, it's going to be whatever, 10, $15,000. Other guys are staying yep. at a hotel. So how are they doing that in terms of when the, the day is over and a lot of these guys like to work out, too, as you well know, Tiger and Rory, all of them. Um, how are they doing workouts? Are they mandated to stay in hotels? Do they have homes? What are they doing in terms of living arrangements? I think they're allowing uh, they're allowing the players. Initially, Danny, it came out that everybody was going to have to stay in the same hotel. And that's just like hurting cats. I just don't see, you know, and you know what a... MLB fan I am and how pissed off I am that there's no baseball and what's going on with our, our great game. But and so what they're trying to do in the MLB is crazy. And I think what, um, what's happening is for the players that are renting homes, cause I know that JT and Ricky are sharing a home this week for those players, there's extensive, um, protocol that those families that are renting their homes have to go through to get the places all checked out. So there's a there's there's almost a brand new set of rules, Danny, for almost every single scenario that you could create, which is one hell of a one one hell of a project to undertake. No doubt. Um, in terms of growing the game, you know, now all of a sudden you're one of the first sports back. Do you think this grows the game of golf? I mean, we t- it's kind of cliche. We we keep saying it. I believe it. I I believe that. If you come back and there's not the other sports and we're all diving, you know, dying for sports and you'll dive into it, I do think it grows the game. What do, what do you think? Uh, first of all, you know how important, well, it is to you too, but you know how important that is to both of us, and I sure as hell hope so. Yeah. But I really do think indeed that because of the lack of other options for people, that, that golf has got a really unique opportunity, really unique opportunity to get to, to get out there first, you know, there, it's it's not easy when you're first one down the trail because there might be some mistakes made there, you know, and there, I'm sure there will be. But the from what I've read, there's such a thorough uh, list of contingencies. If this happens, if that happens, I think we're going to be on and people are going to be starving for the for the action and for these these championships in terms of the feedback of the charity events that have been on there's been a couple of golf events and the most recent was with manning and brady and tiger and phil does that help grow the game i mean have you heard that that has brought in the casual fan and the, the feedback has been good from that yeah it's spectacular i think people were at a point you know timing you know how they say timing is everything danny and i think this, in this case, it's it's really true. I don't know about you. I mean, we both love golf and all sports. So, hell, I would have watched, you know, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning pitch pennies if that's all we could sure. you know, with Tiger and Phil. But but the fact that um, they came on and, man, they played in some really crappy weather, Danny, and just saw – and we saw such human sides. Of, Peyton played better than Tom, but, man, Tom was awful. You know, and I think <laughs> – 
I think just the way that it all uh, rolled out, it, it couldn't have played out any better, you know, because Brady is this pretty private guy and, 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 you know, doesn't, doesn't count to the media very much. Yeah. And to have, to, you know, to have him liked and to have Charles Barkley up there, you know, Charles, he is just a live wire. There's no telling what he might do or say. I thought it all played out great. And the feedback that I've had from it has been extremely positive. And in terms of wearing microphones for players on tour, I'm hearing some don't really want to do it. What do you think about those guys wearing microphones? Danny, they've been after us since uh, since the 90s to get us mic'd up. And per, I mean, almost per every single player back in the day, everybody was like, you know, no way. And there's obvious reasons. There's certain things that you're, you're going to say in the heat of battle that are really going to make you look lousy. Sure. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just how it is. There's also some players... I talked to Zach Johnson, and Zach has this feeling that the way that he goes about his business is proprietary, of all things. And I thought, Zach, Zach's a smart guy, but this seemed a little reachy for me. But he said, I want people to know, you know, how I, how I go about getting my yardages and how I go about trying to attack this flag stick. I don't want them hearing that conversation between my caddy and I. Yeah, and I thought that was you know, but maybe that's why those guys are so much better than I was. I thought it was, <laughs> it was just like pretty straightforward stuff. But um, so I've I read about uh, Justin Thomas, and he said um, he already feels like he's mic'd up, you know, because there's microphones everywhere, yeah. and the boom mics, and you know, you could ex- you could write a book on all this, how good these microphones are, and they pick up all these sounds. But Danny, when we were doing television. And when I've done golf coverage, they tell us we want player caddy banter back and forth. And whenever you get that or hear that layout, yeah. don't say anything. And so it's it's still considered gold in the in the TV industry. And the, the players are, I think, eventually they're going to uh, open up to it. But right now, I think it's. I think there's probably a half a dozen or so that have agreed to be mic'd up this week. Jay, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. You mentioned the caddies, uh, social distancing, helping to line up a putt, those kind of things. What's the caddies' role and what they can do in this new age? Yeah, Danny, good, good question, and you're spot on. I mean, there's, there's, uh, uh, there's going to be volunteers to rake bunkers that are, you know, so there's only one person touching. Uh, Touching rakes, there's going to be uh, no high fives. Uh, it's 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 an odd thing to social distance with a golf bag as your you know kind of intermediate contact. It's uh, uh, it's it's going to be weird, but they're they're going to they're going to try to work their way through it, you know. And they they just want to try to keep everybody as far apart as they can and have it make as much sense as they can. But Danny, you know how you know you get in the middle of this of a battle, the heat, you're thinking, you're thinking birdies and pars, and I'm, I focus on what I do and not how far away I'm standing from you if you're caddying for me. Sure. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. It really will be. Jay, great stuff. Appreciate it. Uh, look forward to your show on Sunday. What are you guys going to be talking about this Sunday on 101 ESPN? Oh, man, this Sunday we've got Scott Langley. Uh, Scott's a, a local guy from uh, uh, with the Parkway South. He's the only guy, Danny ever to make it under the PGA tour to go through the first team program. Oh, great. And he's a great, he's a great kid. NCAA uh, champion. Yeah. Just a great kid. Way more. I mean, he's just a baby too. And he's so responsible. I talked to him. I'm like, dude, I'm almost 60 and you're more responsible than I am. You know, he's just a, he's, it was probably doesn't take much, but 
I love, by the way, Danny, I love having you on uh, 101 in the middle of the day. It's just awesome. I love hearing your stuff. I appreciate it, Jay. means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Looking forward to the golf this weekend and looking forward to your show on Sunday. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. That's Jay Delsing. This is 101 ESPN. We'll open up the text line and the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Drop me a mic drop as well. Get some of the reaction from what Jay had to say here. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 1042 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Got a lot of response from the interview with Jay Delsing. Also, the opening monologue. You can jump in as well. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Rhino Shield Mike Drop. And here's the first of those drops. This is Big Jim B. Hey, Big Jim I wonder Jim why uh, Major League Baseball just can't get creative. How about playing Thursday, Friday, uh-huh. Saturday, and Sunday. Uh-huh. Saturday and Sundays are split double headers. You got two visiting teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, the whole forty-man roster is could play, and then they're off uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday every week. So I have two visiting teams play six games in four days. No. Just simply put, no. With all due respect, and I appreciate you listening to the show, but my question would be. Uh, getaway days in your proposal for the visiting team to get to the next city to go play. Probably not going to work. I wouldn't think. That would be one of my problems. And why have all those days go dark when you have a limited number of time to get more games that you want to get in anyway? So I wouldn't do that. However, I would say this, to your point of double headers, very well could be a, a point that gets brought up and is done if they get a schedule that is more than just 48 or 52 games or whatever they're wanting to do. You know, players want to play as many games they can. That means they're getting paid. This is from the 618. Danny Mack, why can't baseball play 82 defer payments of 20 games over two years? It's something I've thought about, deferred payments. I don't know how you do it. Um, well, I do. I, do. I understand the premise of deferred payments. I'm just not sure how many uh, they would go with in terms of those deferments. I, I would think that the players would get paid full pro rata for the amount of games that the commissioner wants to, to put out there. And then if you add to it, they're either going to be deferred or uh, the owners are going to have to pay it. Or the players are going to have to come off their stance and say, yeah, we'll take a haircut on the final 20 or the final 30. That's basically the option right now. And as I said earlier in the show, if if you want to get back by July 4th, that's pretty much gone by the wayside. July 10th now is probably more the idea of a starting date. And with every day, it gets pushed back longer. That's a problem. So get back on the field as quickly as you can. Ain't that hard. Figured out. Uh, Cardinals did select, by the way, Jordan Walker, their number one selection in the 2020 um, player draft yesterday. He's a prep third baseman. He was the Gatorade player of the year down in Georgia. And I've had some text messages asking about him. He's the 21st overall player. He is 6'5", over 200 pounds. He's a third baseman, great power. He is a commit to Duke. Interesting, his mother attended WashU here in St. Louis. His dad, MIT, they come from an educated background. And he himself is very smart. 3.9 GPA headed to Duke. He was considered to be the best prospect that Duke has ever had in baseball. I talked to Randy Flores this morning. I said, so 6'5", 
five, you know, 18 year old guy. He's going to grow into that body. Is he a third baseman? He said, man, Danny Mack, this guy's slick. He can really move. He is smooth. We're not just going to move him to an outfield position, even though uh, people say that his arm is a plus plus arm. So um, could see him go to the outfield. That's something that'll be talked about. But they have some guys there that uh, are pretty good at third base uh, to make some decisions. But he's only 18. It's going to take some time. Looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table. And hopefully he signs with St. Louis. Let's go to another Rhino Shield. Mike Drop, this is Dylan. Hey, Danny Mac. Big fan here. Thank you. Uh, going along with what Jay said with no high fives with the caddy or anything, keeping distance. Say a team wins the World Series, Stanley Cup, whatever. Mm. What's the celebration going to look like? Are they just going to calmly walk off the field rink? Or are they, you know, they can't have dog piles. They can't even shake hands. They can't, you know, high five each other. Like, what is the celebrations going to look like? Thanks for the uh, the nice message. Totally agree with you. I, I I, I don't see how you can do it. I mean, it's part of the game. When a guy does something that is a positive, it's just human nature. It's a high five. Maybe you go back off the top of my head. You remember when Prince Fielder hit a home run and it was a walk-off and they all gathered around home plate and then he hopped on home plate they all fell down like it was a pile of bricks? Maybe that's the celebration. Six feet apart. Six foot radius exactly. between the, the players <laughs> stomping on home plate and then the circle around them. I was watching the KBO, and Dylan brings up a great point. Um, I was watching it uh, this morning. Guys are high-fiving in the dugout, and I thought that wasn't supposed to be part of the deal. Now, maybe they've loosened the restrictions on that. I just don't know about it. But I remember watching intently when this first started. And you could see the players are making a conscious effort to be six feet socially distanced in the dugout. There was no pats on the rump. There wasn't a high five. There was, I mean, the guys were taking it to the nth degree. And then I watched the game this morning because I get up very early. I was up at 530 watching the game or six, six in the morning, whatever came on. And uh, guys are high fiving. Uh, they made a pitching change. Guy gave him a little pat on the rump. Uh, the, 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 on the mound, they were very close together. Now, there's part of sports that you just can't avoid it. You're, you're not going to be socially distanced. And I think we're going to see that in golf. And to me, when we were watching the charity matches, I didn't see a lot of social distancing. I saw guys walking up the fairway fairly close. I saw them being interviewed very close. So I just think you got to deal with it. I mean, you try to make a conscious effort by not being next to your caddy or next to the person you're playing with or in baseball you're socially distanced in the dugout but it's human nature if you've been playing this all your life to give a guy a high five you're not going to be sitting there thinking oh, hold on should we do an elbow here do we do a fist bump no no i know you just hit a walk up hold on do we take off helmets and hit those no 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 how about no can't hug so what are we going to do I, I do think it's something to think about um yeah, Danny Mack on the high five with batting gloves. I can see that as a possibility. Good point, because when I was watching in the dugout, I think it was two guys that were, were high-fiving with gloves, but I thought one guy had a glove and one guy didn't. Is that what we've come to, that i got to sit here and talk radio and talk about who's got a batting glove and who's not, and they're high-fiving? But to, from the 260, thank you, because I think you're right. That's a good point. What's Matt Carpenter do? I mean, one of the protocols said, we want you to wear batting gloves. He hasn't done that since he was five. And that's his, that, those are his tools, man, his hands. He loves the, the, the feel of the bat. 
So you're going to tell him that he's got to wear batting gloves now? I find that protocol very interesting as well because are you expecting players to come to the ballpark with 20 pairs of gloves and then reuse or use a new one each time? I mean, once you make contact with something with those gloves, whatever you touch, that's on that glove. So you can still spread it in that sense. It did make me, you know, talking to Jay Delsing, um, and I hope you enjoyed that visit. He really opened up my eyes into the how far, because now it's golf, right? It's here, and they're doing it. But the extent of what the PGA is doing to make sure these guys are safe and to try to get uh, teams to do that, going to hotels, restaurants, um, and I'm talking about baseball specifically. The others are going to be down in Disney. Or the NHL is going to have their hub city, so that's different. I mean, these guys are traveling. I I don't know, man. It's going to be very tough to pull off, and we shouldn't overlook that the virus has dictated everything as to why we're even talking about the economics of the sport and trying to come back because everything's been turned upside down. It is going to be very, very tough to pull this thing off, even if they get the financial agreement. Now, I think it can be done. And I think a player will pop, and you, you pull them out, and you quarantine them, and, you know, pray to God nothing happens. And hopefully the players sign a waiver, and they say, I'm, I'm willing to take that chance, which is something I mentioned earlier. That's a big part of this. But I, I've said it from day one. You've heard me, Colin. This is not as easy as just saying come to an agreement, and it's going to be baseball. It's... It's going to be very tough to get through some of these protocols. It really will. And we're going to see that when these seasons start to get into play. Yeah. When the positive tests come up, how do you handle those positive tests? You've said that all along as well, Dan, yeah. that that is going to determine how well that league ends up doing. He said, I'm picturing this is 636, Phil Pritchard wiping the cup down with Lysol wipes before each player gets their moment with it on the ice. Yeah, that would be interesting because he's wearing the gloves. He's got the Lysol. He made a little spray, a little disinfectant. Okay, Captain, here you go. Boom, boom, boom. He does his thing. He's going around an empty uh, ice rink. <sighs> no, none of that. It's just kind of like, well, okay, here you go. Here, here's the cup. Yeah, we won. Let's move on. It's interesting. I'd love to see it, though. God, we just want sports. All of us just want sports. And again, I hope it, it like everybody, I hope it, um, I hope it can work. We'll cross it over with Ribs and BK coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. And you are my friend. I promise you. We're boys. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, before can we get his mic on. Oh, I got no there mic on here. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, there great. we go. Yeah. Oh, I see what you guys did there. You told him to do I that, did. didn't I, you, Danny? I told Colin, do not put on Riv's mic. Do not turn on Riv's mic. No. That's, that's, you're not the only one who's ever said that, by the way. Uh, before BK gets into his his amazing rundown that we yeah. got coming on, I had a question for you that we didn't get to in our phone conversation yesterday during the show. Yeah. Um, you had the opportunity, obviously, you saw Mark McGuire, you saw Albert Pujols. And we've talked to a number of people throughout the week, and they talk about some of the purest hitters in the game. And, of course, when you talk about Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, we know there's an asterisk right there. Yeah. Or asterisk. I don't know. I say it wrong all the time. Yeah. However, a number of people said still two of the purest baseball swings they've ever seen and some of the greatest batters they've ever seen as far as pushing pitchers to bad areas to make pitches. Where does Albert Pujols rank in there? He's the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen, simply put. And I've seen uh, Cabrera with Detroit. He's incredible. He's a Hall of Famer. 
Uh, Manny Ramirez was unbelievable. Saw him in person, did some of those games, watched a lot of his games. Albert Pujols is, in my mind, the greatest right-handed hitter I have ever seen, and it's not even close. I've never seen anything like it, ever, in his prime. I was wondering. Yeah, I'll tell you the thing that was incredible to me was that his bat control, so if you wanted to hit and run with Albert Pujols, right, he'll take the ball to right. I thought the most amazing thing, that, and if he wanted to hit a home run, he'd try to hit a home run, he'd probably do it. Um, the, the most amazing aspect of Albert Pujols that I have never, ever seen with any other hitter, right or left, is that a ball that's coming at his hip, the ability to where what most guys do on an inside pitch, and it's a pitcher's pitch, is that they'll either pull it into the dugout or they'll swing and miss because it's got a little sinking action in on their hands. He had the ability to get his hands through and somehow still barrel it up and keep it fair. I've never seen a player since then, before then, or now do that. And and that's something that I know doesn't get a lot of talk because he's got 3,000-plus hits and he's going to hit a ton of bombs before it's all said and done. His ability to keep the ball fair on a ball that's at his hip is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life in terms from of, a right-handed hitter. In terms of pure power, how do the two compare? Bonds or uh, McGuire and, and it's got to be Mac. Um, his swing was designed. I think he had the perfect home run swing. How, like how he was able to put backspin on the ball and it carried. So think about when you're playing golf and you get that. You know what I mean? And the ball just some carried. of us can't do that, Danny. Well, me neither. But some can. Jay Delsing tells us about it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but his swing, how it was designed to hit the ball out of the ballpark, I think he was more of a home run hitter where Pujols was more of just an all-around great hitter. Then I, I, that's the difference between the two. They both were amazing, though. And covering both were... It was phenomenal. I mean, you didn't know what was going to happen every single game. You've and seen I, some cool stuff, man. It, over the 20 years that I've been doing teams. the games... I, I always tell people, like, even when they were bad, when I first started, we had Mac. Yeah. So, McGuire made it interesting. Every night we were talking about, well, it's going to be Jamie Rivers against Brandon Kylie, and it should be a great matchup. Oh, by the way, McGuire's hitting third. <laughs> so, don't go away in the first inning. And we would design games. Like, going to a break of an inning, we'd say, hey, McGuire is due up fourth, so if anybody gets on, you're going to see Big Mac. I mean, and you didn't want to miss his at-bats. It was just the way it was. And and really, to an extent, that was the way it got with Albert, too. So, what do you have coming up? I'm actually really excited for today's show. Not that that's not always the case, yes. but certainly for today's show. Uh, Darren Oliver, former Cardinals pitcher in 98, will be with us today. He was also... He pitched in Game 6 in 2011 for the Rangers. He came in in the 10th inning. So, I want to get the losing perspective from yep. that game as well. Uh, coming up at 1 o'clock, Kyle McClellan, who was a 15-year-old here in St. Louis during the summer of 98. And at 115, Tom Glavin, who was the Cy Young Award winner in 98. And oh, by the way, he was a player rep during the 94-95 situation. So we'll ask him about these ongoing Major League Baseball negotiations as well. I think he may have been the head, too, of the Players Association at that time. So he'll, he'll give you great insight. Ribs and BK coming up. Colin, great job. We're going to talk all McGuire all the time tomorrow at 10 a.m. on Scoops with Danny Mack on a Friday. We'll see you then. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.